So uh, I'd like to address um, some of the issues that are involved in uh, since coronavirus seems to be coming to a city near you um, soon. Um, so I think I'd like to address it general plagues, halachas of plagues. Um, uh, plagues is, I don't know, is that the right word? It's an antiquated word. Um, uh, the infectious diseases um, and how halacha historically addresses them. Maybe we'll give like a little historical overview and then some of the contemporary questions that arise um, um, with, uh, with infectious disease. Some of it sure we've discussed in the past. Nothing, I, this is all still material, I'd like to make that very clear. This is a hand that I found from Dr. Eddie Reichman online. Um, wasn't it was written for Ebola, but same, more or less the same stuff. So I get, I've given this class in times of Ebola, but um, we're gonna, I think it needs to be readdressed. It's applicable to any infectious disease. Yes, all infectious diseases are treated equally. Um, so, um, so let's begin. My hand on this paper. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really don't know in actuality what the numbers are. He's not coming to me. He's in the New York. Um, I don't know what meaning how serious it is or what. There seems to be a lot of hype associated with it. Chuck Schumer said this morning that the Trump administration is ill-prepared to deal with the Ebola virus. And Trump said, you're an idiot, coronavirus. And Trump said, you're an idiot. So there's, there seems to be a dispute whether we're ready for it. Is it really coming here? How much will it be here? But I think it's, it's worth to be prepared as medical professionals and as community leaders. We need to know how we have to deal with it. So, so historically, uh, infectious disease is... Um, various plagues are found throughout the Torah, um, beginning uh, all the way back with uh, in Egypt, Avimelech, prior to all the way in Avramovitus times. You have discussion there, and uh, and then you have, uh, of course, in Egypt, exactly some of the ten plagues. There are many scientists who like to claim that some of them were actually various infectious diseases. Um, especially, actually, the, the Hebrew word for an infectious disease, I don't know, modern Hebrew, but in, in halacha, this is dever, which is something like what happened to the animals. Mm -hmm. Within, even, by the way, shechin, the, the current word, what's anthrax used for? Oh, anthrax, know. the modern word for anthrax is shechin, which is one of the ten makas. Shechin. Wasn't that lice? What, what's shechin is boils. Boil. So boils on your skin. I guess they're assuming it's some type of infectious what disease. When you have boils on your skin, where they come from? No, this is kinim. Kinim. So shechin is a modern word. Yeah, this is anthrax. Anthrax. So I don't know what anthrax. I thought was a it's not a disease. It's a no, it's a disease. Oh, it is. With okay. or without the accent. <laughs> anthrax. What are you talking about? Uh, you and is the modern Hebrew yeah. word for anthrax. So it's interesting. So there, there's. Um, Others say actually shrin is, is it's a skin disease, it's boils, it's leprosy. As we know, of course, then you have uh, two parishes in the Torah dealing with leprosy um, on a major scale, which the question, well, it's debatable if it is leprosy. Most, uh, most say that it's not. Our modern-day leprosy has nothing to do with sarat. But um, that would be the assumption when you're Infectious reading it. Infectious disease is called machalab midabeket. Pen, yes. Midabeket. Yes. Generally speaking, yeah, but a plague is called dever. Dever is just a dever. 
which is one of the uh, ten makas, I think is a word so for. That's from this. You think dabeket? No, no, no. Dabeket uh, means davek from the word sticking to. You. Right. Davek, like right. glue. So that's what it comes from. Infectious. So you're saying older word. Is yeah, I think the the halachic uh, word used. Um, but in any case, so so we have it throughout the Torah. Interestingly enough, I will start with this one. I because this is happens to be the chapter in my book that I talk about this. So that's so so Parshas Korach. It's an interesting question here. Um, the the language in Parshas Korach, which is the top of the paper there, if you're on the right side. The picture on the should be on the left. Yeah, that's right. Yes. That picture. Um, I didn't choose these pictures, but if you look at Parshas Korach, as you know, there um, Hashem had this miraculous um, destruction of the assembly of Korach. So when that begins, um, Hashem says, I'm just reading the Pasik, it's on your page there. Hashem says in Pasik 21. God said to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourself from this assembly. Okay? Because I will destroy them in an instant. Okay? And then so the question becomes, why, God, why does God have to separate out um, the innocent people from the... Innocent people from the guilty people in this case, from Korach's assembly. God can't differentiate. He knows who's innocent. I'm assuming, I'm talking about God here. So you'd think he wouldn't have to tell them. He says, Moshe, step back. I'm going to destroy these people. As we know in many other cases in the Torah, like in Egypt, he destroyed the guilty and, and, uh, and saved the innocent. So he could easily do that. That's the whole concept of Passover. Passed over the Jewish people and killed the, the Egyptians. Why here does it say he's telling them explicit instructions separate before I do what I'm going to do. So I saw the this was actually, believe it or not I found this without any Rachman. He, the Rabbeinu Bachia who is a early authority commentary on the Torah. So he addresses this. He says, um, and I'll read it to you, it's on your paper it might be a little cut off on the side, the first paragraph on the right side. He says, um, we're, we're over here, we're starting this, this piece. Ibadlu um, mitochaida, top right paragraph. Um, he says, "Hey, madat Korach, who's the Ada he's referring to? Who's the community? That is the community of Korach. Sheharei, the congregation of Korach. Sheimoshevar and Hayumahem. Pesach Omer. They were all standing at the entrance to the tabernacle, right, to the Pesach of the Omer. Moshe." Moshe didn't understand. He thought God was referring to Eidazos, which means the the uh, Jewish community, the rest of the Jewish community. Therefore, Moshe answered, immediately prior to this in the verses, the Psukim, it says, one person sinned, and God should get upset with everyone, meaning Moshe was making that argument we find again throughout the Torah with Abraham Avinu and God in stone. Just because some people messed up. Why does everyone deserve to suffer? Okay, why should the whole... So Moshe thought that's what was happening here. So that's why he argues, he tells Hashem, why should, uh, why should every, the innocents be destroyed too? Because Baruch Hu so immediately God tells him, Ki shenemar, at the Eida, when I said, separate yourself from the community, um, it's referring to Al-Adatz Korach, of the community of Korach, who, Rezehu, Elo Misav, Mishkan Korach. Nim Cain, um, 
Separate yourself. Now he asked the question, why did God have to tell Moshe to separate himself and the rest of the Jewish community from the Adas Korach? God could kill and, um, and, and let live whoever is innocent. Does God need a separation? He needs to know who's, who's good and who's bad. He can destroy a whole um, public and save an individual in the midst of that destruction. Right? As you see many times in, uh, when they show the tornadoes going through uh, Alabama or Kansas, there's always one guy who says, oh, I was right in the middle of it and everyone around me, every house around me got destroyed. Just my house. Because I went to church this past Sunday. You know, uh, maybe, no, maybe, right, so the top of the town bomb, you can't do that. Everybody. <laughs> right, the town of bomb, you can't do that, because that's the point. God can do that in his destruction, as you see in Alabama and Kansas, and all those uh, Bible states, because God saves them. Right, so, um, so, just trying to get you, wake, wake you up a little bit. Right. We, we had this question before, so, does the survivor bench Gormel, even though all his neighbors died? Yeah, he was saved, 100%. What's the question? I'm saying it's a good thing happened to him. Just because other people had a bad doesn't mean I don't have to thank God. If I'm saved, I need to thank God. You know, otherwise you, you'll never thank God for anything. There's always something uh, nasty happening. If everybody yeah. else died, where does he get a minion? That's I'm gonna talk about there that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, so so he says. So of course he said, does God need God needs to separate them out? As, as uh, he quotes a Chazal, which doesn't exist. So the note on the bottom says he can't find where this is. Um, but a Chazal says, There were two or three people under one blanket. Shnaim and the two guys on the, each side die of some uh, communicable disease. And the guy in the middle gets saved. Right? Some reason lives. So we don't. So clearly we don't know necessarily why even with all our science and medical knowledge why diseases might affect this person not that person so there is uh, the assumption he's saying is god could god could make the difference that could be whatever whatever it is but he's saying clearly not everyone has to die uh, if he quotes a pasuk in Mishle, i believe it is six is Tehillim, sorry, and Tehillim. David um, Amalek writes, Yipo mitzidcha elef, on my side fell a thousands, or vavam minecha, on my other side fell um, myriads of people were dying all around me. Elech aleikosh, but God did not, uh, but it did not reach me, the destruction did not reach me. So again, you see this concept of amidst the destruction, there are people who can survive. Why did God have to tell them here, separate, tell Moshe to separate from the Adas Korach? He says an interesting thing here, which is very, you could claim controversial. Um, he says, Whatever plague was happening here, it, it could be infectious. Okay, and, um, and, and, and therefore, you have to, as we discussed many times, you as we as human beings can't rely on miracles. We have to separate ourselves from the from the disease or the plague that's happening, um, because if you're in the midst of it, it could affect you too, even though you're innocent. Kenyan Amr Bishto Shalot, he quotes, as it says, by the wife of Lot, uh, which is a Ramban says it there. Very interesting concept, which I never understood over there. But he's quoting the same concept, which is, you know, it says when the wife of Lot was running over. The wife of Lot. 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 Abraham's. Lot. Lot. Depends where you're from. 
no. South African or Brooklyn? Say like, like South, like a proper South African, oh, please. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so, um, the the wife of Lot um, <laughs> was uh, when they, when they were being saved from the city of Sodom, they uh, Hashem told them, "Don't look back." Right, it said, don't look back at the destruction. As we know, she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. You can go see, there's a few of them today in the Dead Sea. They claim to, they, That's right, to, to tour guides charge you. On the, on the way yeah. to the Dead Sea, it's up on the hill. Right, they, they charge you a lot of money to see this pillar, that pillar. Which one looked like Lord's <coughs> wife, I'm not sure. Um, so he says, so he says it's the same concept over there. Why did God tell them not to look back? If she's going to be saved, she's innocent. So she doesn't deserve to die. What does it have to do with looking back? So it says, Vatabi quotes the verse, So it's the same concept. He's saying when you're, when you're in the midst of destruction of a, of a plague or in fact whatever it may be, you don't want to get out as quick as possible. You don't want to be involved. Exactly what does it mean? Does it mean spiritually, physically? I'm not sure. Tam Shamur Razal, So he's saying in a spiritual sense, when God is using the strict justice sense, which is what happened <coughs> cases of disease and destruction, not all cases, but some cases, I know this is an old beef of ours going back 20 years, ain't no God does not differentiate between, always between the innocent and the, and the guilty, okay, between the righteous and the evil. If the, he says, when the Gemara says, once it's given permission to destroy, that's it, this whole swath of, of destruction. So even innocent people can get caught up in that destruction, even if technically, quote-unquote, they're not supposed to die. So he's, that's how he's understanding it here. Um, oh, Why that's one chat. Huh? Why would that be? Good question. I don't know, we find, yeah, we find it in Mitzrayim also. They had to paint their doorposts, right? The, pass, the whole concept of Passover was they put the blood on the doorposts to differentiate. Why does it need? So Rashi over there says the same language. He says, once permission is given to destroy, you got to be careful. you gotta, you got to make sure there's the separation. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good point. I don't, know, I don't understand it fully myself, honestly. <coughs> he says, or he says another explanation. Of Shalomar, Shama came the cover of Tadikim, that God doesn't want to cause destruction when there's righteous among them, even if they're going to get saved. But it's uh, God has covered for the Tadikim, he doesn't want to have a, you know, a nasty scene in front of the Tadikim, in this case, Moshe. Okay, so that's the Rabbeinu Bachya. Um, um, again, seemingly describing this concept of when there's uh, a plague around. So, I mean, it just gets into the issue, which is, and that's the next question here on the page, which is, and this came up, by the way, this, uh, as you know, there's, there's a Chabad house, I don't know, in Wuhan, but the Chabad house is all over China. Um, and the question, some of the Chabad rabbis I read left, have left, some have stayed. One guy's oh, giving out masks, Chabad sent, tells the mask, not made in China, to China. Or maybe they were made in China, but they were here already, they sent them back. But uh, meaning they're, they're trying to help out. The idea is, so as a community leader, or as we'll talk about also as a physician, do you stay when there's a plague? It's infectious disease, when there's a mass um, pandemic, do you stick around and try to help people, or do you pack out and get on the first flight? So that's a question for a rabbi, it's a question for a doctor, um, or whatever, whatever profession you are, if you want to make money. By the way, it did come up also, I saw recently a Pesach Halacha, for there's a lot of, kosher production happening in China and Mashkichim. It's a big kosher. Uh, China's the, it's not even the new frontier anymore. It's the last frontier um, where 
you know, as we know, much of, unfortunately, much of our food and ingredients come from China. So the multi, I would say, ventured to say a billion dollar business in China of kosher production. So a lot of mashkichim, uh, there are a lot of kosher mashkichim, they, they have mashkichim in all these factories. And the question becomes now, do they stay, do they give up production, do they stop production, kosher productions, or, or leave the country? Because then they, they can't certify the products as kosher. So um, it's also a matter, it's a financial question. Are we getting food from China? Kosher yes. Food. No, not only kosher food. We're that. getting a lot of food. Get some of your drugs from China. No, the drugs are... Your salmon comes from China. Your fish. Most of your fish comes from China. Come on, fish farms. tilapia? No. I don't. It's farmed here. No, some depends of which one. Some of it comes well, from China. Well, a lot of it's from China. It says on the bag, from China. Like your salmon, a lot of salmon comes from Everything. Uh, uh, garlic, your, your fresh garlic comes but from China, by the way. 95% of garlic you eat in America fresh. What has happened? Uh, I never thought about it. Sorry to, to divert, but uh, what has happened with the, the rabbis, Freulich and all those guys in, in China? Are they still there or are they coming out? Yeah, you know, know personally. So some, some stayed, some left. The smart ones left. Uh, some are sticking around. So they, um, so they transferred the virus to places like Israel. Yeah, they're <laughs> they quarantine. We'll talk about that. So <coughs> the bottom line is the the uh, so the, I saw Psachalacha somewhere on the internet last week that uh, they asked some big rabbis about should the Mashkichim come home or not. They said in that province, the one province, they should leave. But if they're in far out provinces, they don't have to leave. They can stay. And it's something we discussed in the past. For the sake of Parnassah, you're allowed. Higher risks are allowed to be taken. Might be stupid. I'm not saying they have to. Stay. I'm not discussing, it, but I'm saying they have a right, even though there's more risk. Obviously, just being in China, they, for their sake of Parnassah, you're allowed to take the risk threshold um, is raised, so to speak, to this box or lowered. I don't expect it to be answered, but for a future session, are you allowed to profit because of? A pandemic, for example. Sure, why not? We like making money. I mean, again, uh, doctors officially can't charge. Anytime it's a mitzvah, but you could no, uh, uh, say you sell masks. Uh, yeah. That's what I, I'm thinking. Yeah, why not? The, the cost of masks, there's price gouging going yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, price oh, yeah. gouging is a different problem, but you can profit. Price gouging is also a Can't charge more than a fifth of the going rate, above the going rate for any product, oh, even right. non pandemic. That's halacha in 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 Chashamish, but in Jewish business. So you can, well, you could profit. You just can't gouge. So if you're taking a red and increased risk, you can raise your price not by no more than a fifth. Eddie, you're Eddie, not taking the risk if you're selling these masks. masks. Uh, masks like crazy. He sells masks. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Why? That's his job. Yeah. That's no. I mean, he's in the uh, the business. No, he's uh, su supplies for the medical supplies for the oil industry. Anyways, I, I would buy your mess now before it went in, cause if late. it's true. <laughs> no, here in America. See, I was lucky. So I had a whole bunch of come. The, the good ones. As an aside, the, there's nothing that anybody's going to do that's going to have any impact yeah? on what happens through. with this epidemic. Even those but it's going to be very well documented. Questionable. Are you doing No, we just do just think we're doing something to contain it, but we're not really doing anything. Okay. Not just these over the Okay. So, so yeah. So that's again. I'm just starting with this Rebbeinu Bachio. You don't have to agree. Not agree. He's just explaining. It's it's a it's a troubling concept, and this gets into the whole question of God killing innocents and or the origin of disease and etc. We're not we're 
not going there today. Um, Isn't the story with Koach? Didn't they split the earth and they all went in? Yes. So what does that have to do with communicable disease? N nothing. He's, ju he's not. He's just saying the, the you know, when the earth, well, they didn't know what was going to happen. God just said, I'm going to take care of them. But the point is, even when they split the earth, so who's going to, if you're standing there, will you fall in? That if you're in it, God can make a miracle. You, you uh, float so in the air. That seems to be a good reason for separation, because the earth is about to open. Yeah, but I'm saying, again, God can do anything. So why, you know, if, you, if we trust that God is only going to kill I mean, but guilty God, God people, God chose the earth in this to case. open up, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, but if, God, if we That's trust that God just is going to choose, is going to kill the guilty, okay. so why do we have to separate? I'll stay here. I'm innocent. So he's saying, no, it's not so simple. Like when you're in a place of destruction, you gotta, you got to get out, as we see from Korach, as we mm -hmm. see from Lot's wife, however you pronounce it, etc. So he's just showing you this concept that it's not so simple that God only will not, that the, just because you're innocent, you won't be affected. That's the point. It's an interesting yes. and difficult concept. Yes, very difficult. I'm not, I'm so not sure how you explain it either. Yeah, I don't have a handle on it, to be honest. Why it would be, but you find a Pesach. That is the whole name of Passover comes from that concept. Rashi says that in the, over there. So it's, a, it's an interesting the, 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 the rabbis who leave their communities at this moment and then go back are going to lose a lot of credibility. That's true, but they save their lives, maybe, and their kids. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I remember actually the, in Katrina, there was a rabbi who was a uh, shul in New Orleans. He, the rabbi was, you know, as soon as the water was coming up, he was at it. He never came back. <laughs> he left the shul. <laughs> and he, he, you know, he escaped. The whole shul had like, you know, 20 feet of water or something. He never came back. You, know, you don't have to go down with your shul. Why is that considered wrong? You have to go down with your ship. If no, I'm just saying. Be, you're better you're better be a rabbi I mean, it's a, if you're uh, that's what we just helping these people, it listen, was, it was again, look at the... <laughs> Look at the Holocaust. Many rabbis didn't went back or didn't leave, and they were killed. Mm -hmm. I know one rabbi, the, the Satmar mm -hmm. rabbi in uh, Hungary, he told he everybody stayed. to stay, and he, and he left. Oh, well, that's that's uh, maybe uh, that's a, good. I don't know the history there, but but there is. Yeah, no, there's many. But I'm saying is there are many leaders who even were in the states and they went back to be with their communities. So you need to know what's considered. Uh, listen, I remember when I was I was in the Israel in the Gulf War. I think I told the story in the past. And my Rosh Hashiva, he had Parkinson's. 40, 40 year old young guy, but shook like crazy, couldn't even walk. Parkinson's, and you had to go into the sealed rooms. In the we had like in the yeshiva, they had sealed rooms for the guests in case there was a guest attack. So the first night, the sirens went off. January twenty eighth, I don't know what year it was. Seventy um, something. No, no. So down the first war, 90, 90, 91. 91. Not that old. I'm not that old. Wrong um, So, uh, so uh, the, once you seal the room, you go in the room and all the windows are covered up with plastic, and then you have to cover the door, and then you can't open it. You can't open the seal. You have gas masks on. Can't hear anything. I had to shave my beard off. Partial my beard. There's nowhere to pee. It's, it's not a pleasant experience. And after like 15 minutes, we're in the room. After the signs went off, there's like a knock on the door. Some guy, we said, listen, we're not all risking our lives to open the door for this loser. It was 15 minutes late, he was stuck in the bathroom somewhere. So I let him find another sealed room, so we kept on there. The guy kept on knocking, finally we said, who is it? It was the Rosh Hashiva, he came from his house. He walked, he has Parkinson's. It's like, a, for him, it was a 15-minute walk, it's a five-minute walk, but he walked while the signs were going off. He said, how could I not be with my students in this situation? Uh, amazing thing. Came into the room, it might be stupid again. Wait, what's amazing about it? 
it's amazingly he's, stupid. He's what kind of leader? Yes. Yes. Meaning a, a leader, so meaning that's the question. The whole should the rabbi, like he said, should a rabbi be leaving the community when there's a tragedy in the community, even though he might be affected? That's no, the, but in this case, you're talking about a rabbi purposely violating not, not purposefully the, mistakenly. the entire yeah, sealed room. He said, just like rabbis, the Holocaust went back. They were in America, the fundraising. They went back when the war started. I think them. that's different than the example you're oh, describing. I think that's worse. Yeah, you know, no, everyone knew there's not going to be guests, especially in Jerusalem. But what if it had been? <laughs> what if what if my grandmother had a bear? She'd be my grandpa. We're not talking about... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if she... What if, if, no, I think anyway, she would still be I'm, not, I'm not saying he's right. Would I do it? No, for sure not. Um, but the question saying. is, yeah. I'm saying there's two types of leaders. There are leaders who... So is that considered a good or bad leader, the way you're describing him? Because I see it as opinion. a very bad I'm saying leader. in war, everyone agrees. If the general, uh, you know, starts running the other way when there's an attack, he knows we're all going to get killed. And the, right, the, the, the commander runs but the other way. That's bad, right? One says, maybe, agree? Maybe it's for bad. war. He gets it's bad for the morale. He gets it. Oh, okay. chance to fight another So it's day. bad for the morale of the soldiers, and, and it's not a leader. Listen, would I run the other way? Of course, 100%. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, again, as a leader, the question is, what are your obligations to your, yeah. to your students, to your community, to your soldiers? This leader not only went back into it, he, he potentially put everyone at risk because yeah. he wanted to enter the room. Again, I, 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 I understand honestly, everyone was very anxious. It's like uh, many of these of cases. Course. A lot of anxiety, but everyone knows nothing's really going to happen. It sounds irresponsible. Hey, that's, that's an opinion. I, I, I'm not yeah. disagreeing. Listen, again, I would not do what he did. That's my point. Maybe I don't have the guts to do what he did. So Apparently yeah, not. He, he That's was, what we're uh, learning. It doesn't matter. He was wearing, everyone had gas masks. Well, he was wearing gas masks too. I mean, they so all wearing gas masks. It's not like a He still can be ignorant and, and negligent and 100%. inconsiderate. So, in his biography, it's one of his... So beautiful. It's that's listed as that beautiful. That everyone at risk. Yes, but um, but uh, okay. but again, it's um, it's a, it's a um, I know, not really. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> nice guy, big Sounds like not a static in my mind. Okay, so that's why you didn't go to that yeshiva. Yeah, I wasn't was <laughs> <laughs> was so, so anyway, my point is was to save himself or to support. No, he had one in his house. He left right? his family alone. He left his wife and kids alone. He came to be with his students. He came to save the no, Not to save. He did something stupid. He felt like, I'm a leader, I need to be there, just like a, a general needs to be with his soldiers. He needs oh. to be with his... Why didn't he call you up and tell you... He, what he did was, was, was ignorant. He didn't allow it wasn't, it was irresponsible. It was irresponsible. Okay, okay, we're not, we're not debating. We're, we're just, I'm just showing you that there are two sides to the coin in the sense of... Should you're saying the rabbi leaves, that's a bad sign about the rabbi. He's saying someone leaves China and his community, he, you know, it, it's not going to give him too much credit to get the job back when he decides, okay, now right. I'm back. On the other end, so he could stay and die, mm-hmm. which is not of much benefit to the community either. But he gets a nice bag. Which is worse, 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 worse order the community. <laughs> have a um, rabbi that leaves and comes back alive or when it stays and dies? Well, there's no more people to come back to. Which is um, worse for the rabbi if he dies. Yeah, the rabbi, <laughs> rabbi Listen, it actually was the, the, the truth is, <coughs> you know, even in that time, many students left to America. Well, uh, no, to that's me, a different it's a separate question. issue. Oh, it's the same I'm issue. Even, uh, oh, it's the same issue. Should you leave town I mean, and run away, or do you no, stay? I get that. And that's help. a difficult question. 
Oh, that's that's a different. The other example you just provided, I think, was a, not a good example. Okay. The, uh, so to flee or not to flee? That is the question. Manny, to flee or yes. not to flee? That's the question. So if you look okay. on top from a, a response written in the 14th century um, from Maril, Rabbi Huda, I'm not sure what it stands for, if you believe something. Now, because of Mar, the Nirashu Isr Levroach, Shasa Sakana, he says uh, that this, whoever is writing the question, says that it's prohibited to flee during times of uh, Sakana. We call Ani Mora, the ain't tov Lamud Makam Sakana. He says you should not stay in a place of danger. In this case, again, it was uh, some infectious, some plague. The Chayn Risi Gedolim, I saw many great. Uh, Rabbis, then went to other places. When there's a plague in town, leave, leave now. Don't stick mm-hmm. around. Don't be a hero. Um, as the as you see, some of these doctors who are dying now in in China. There's a number of doctors who treated it, or now dying. I don't know if you saw the great story yesterday. The the deputy health minister in Iran yeah, he got, corona- what got, he got coronavirus. And. I'm just saying, is sometimes he's, uh, good things happen. <laughs> so there you see God knows who to target. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so it's uh, still disabled people who are dying, isn't it? Uh, does anybody know? Most of the people who die are disabled. <laughs> so they have pulmonary problems. Yes, yeah, but a lot of health network. Cardiac. We don't know. I heard it reported as the same as the flu situation. Okay. I heard it reported, but that it seems to be the same as the flu situation. People who die from flu are the disabled, or the infirm, the elderly. Except for those that have no reason to die. I mean, it's We're right. discussing the halachic implications, not, uh, and and not uh, news. There's not, a, there's not a current events know. class. Many. We We're discussing many. This is not a current events class. It's not politics. We only discuss. I'm talking medicine. Torah. Is Torah. Torah. medical ethics no. or not? It's ethics, not medical. I'm um, not medical. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the Shulchan Aruch. Number two, the um, ka- column on the left, the second paragraph, is quoting the Shulchan Aruch. Um, Shulchan Aruch which is written in the 16th century, clearly rules that this is the halacha. The Shulchan Aruch says like this. The Shulchan Aruch, and this is something we quoted oft, which is discussing, pro- there's a prohibition in Jewish law to put yourself in a dangerous situation, um, and to avoid danger, even preventative um, danger. Okay, there are many halachot, different things you're not supposed to do, and it lists here. We'll just read some of them. It says, Again, this is Cairo speaking, 16th century, in the Shulchan Aruch, as, as codifying Jewish law. It says, You have to be careful not to put money in your mouth. Um, uh, coins it's referring to, or today actually even uh, dollar bills that c- contain uh, different bacteria. Shema Yeshelen Rok Yavesh, there could be dried saliva on it, Shamukesh Chen of people who have uh, boils or different skin diseases. Don't stick uh, your hand under your underarm, don't scratch your underarm. Don't put bread, don't carry bread when you're coming home from the market. When when they ban shopping bags soon, like in Austin here, so you're going to have to carry your bread under your underarms. So he says that's a bad thing. Um, don't do that, that could be dangerous. Um, what else does he say? Isaiah, because of sweat. Sweat is not good to eat sweat. He says, Old Kasfu, the Ramah then adds, You have to run away from a city, escape from a city when there's <coughs> a, a plague in the city, infectious, some type of infectious disease. Take, bear in mind, they didn't understand infectious disease, but they know. They knew you can ca- catch it. Maybe they didn't know about germs and exactly how you can catch it. Clearly, they observed people uh, 
catches the ish. Says, don't wait around until everyone starts dropping like flies. Second, people, uh, there's a, in some type of plague beginning in a city, he says, get out of there. The low bisofo. Okay. Says, all these things are because of danger. So the Shochanach rules very clearly. You should flee when there's never beer. So I'm not sure what the rationale of some of these Chabad rabbis who are not leaving are. Maybe they're not in the infected areas, I, I don't know. I can't speak for them, but the Shulchan Aruch rules very clearly when there's an infectious disease in a city, you need to leave. But is this an assumption that it's an infectious disease that will cause death? Um, it doesn't say, but the, so usually in those days, I think most infectious diseases cause death. We're not okay. talking about catching a cold, we're talking about well, that's something... that's why it's a different right. type of discussion. Like, the yeah. flu kills tens of thousands of people in the United States, but millions of people get infected. So, it's oh, so that's a good question. So how do we define yeah. infectious a play Dever, as he's calling it. A, because a, then you ah, saving a life. Question. Very good question. You can stay so there. But in the case I of the coronavirus, the current coronavirus, yeah. uh, the death rate is around two and a half percent, yeah. which is f- about two and a half percent, which is far above other. Well, it's, again, it's, I would be very cautious in assuming that that number is correct. I mean, it may even be higher. Or lower. Or lower. Yeah. We, we don't know. We, we've heard 1%, 2%, right. It, it, it'll probably go higher or lower. The point is that it's not zero, and people do die, but the percentage is still low. So and that is a very good question. How do we define infectious disease? The flu patients that die are over 65 years old. Right. And old! Oh Depends on the strain. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I resemble that remark. Exactly. Depends on the strain. Some strains yeah. affect kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's fewer kids are going to die from the flu, and probably fewer kids are going to die from the coronavirus. Okay. And there may be wise. some long-lasting effects, after-effects, like know. in, yeah. in well, the Spanish flu the, situation. Uh, the death rate of infected people with flu? Does anybody know? It's less than 1%. It's more What's than coronavirus in America, less. currently. No, more in the America percentage is much less. I don't know. It, oh, if okay. 80,000 sure. Americans died of flu last winter. No, not the number, the percentage. I understand. Uh, I think the corona is still being vastly underdiagnosed. So Ron has a very good point. How does halacha define a dever, a plague, infectious disease? What's considered something that I have to leave the city? Because halacha says you need to leave the city. So you need to know. So how do we define it? Yes. You, 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 there's two things that you haven't separated off. We started talking about leaving the city and you've focused on rabbis leaving China. No, no, I just what said... The same no, I'm saying... Right. Yes, true, 100%. The question only is, as a rabbi, you're meaning a normal person for sure should leave, a regular person, but the question is if you're either a medical professional, and we'll talk about that, that's the, or someone who is who is treating the community, quote-unquote, spiritually, whatever you're doing, the community might need you there. So then it becomes a different question than just a regular lay person who, of course, you should leave, get out as quick as possible. But if I'm the community leader, like you said, they're not going to, the people are not going to be buried. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of issues that come up, especially in times of crisis. If every rabbi would leave in a time of crisis, it would be a big problem. Not only, right, I'm saying in Harvey, if all the rabbis would leave in Harvey. No, so the question becomes, for a community leader, how do you balance your responsibilities to the community to, with the risks, the health risks involved. If there's That's one the seat left on the last flight out and a rabbi and a <coughs> pregnant woman want to get on that seat, who do sure you want to seat to? That's the question. It's a rabbi, of course. Oh.
So, so to answer Ron's question, the made the law. To answer Ron's question, if you turn the, to the back of the page here, um, the, I don't know if we'll answer completely, but the Shulchan Aruch here discusses, uh, there's a different place in the Code of Jewish Law, uh, discussing, um, this is something we discussed many years ago, me and Ron disagreed uh, from the Rambam, that says that in times of crisis, you're supposed to fast, you're supposed to pray um, and beseech God. Um, and that's that's the Jewish way, at least according to the Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch. So it says here, and this is actually uh, debatable in this context because fasting when there's a plague that will lower your immunity. That's not a good thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. But but uh, that's a good. You know, I don't know if they understood that at the time. But the Shulchan Aruch is writing, just like if there's no rain, the Talmud says you're supposed to beseech God if there's a drought and fast and and pray. Um, so too, we would also fast and, and pray on other times of crisis. Okay, and then for the next paragraph, the Shulchan Aruch writes, When there's a plague, when there's infectious disease around, you have to um, come make, organize, and uh, come to shul and daven, which might not be a good thing when there's infectious disease. But um, again, I don't know how much they understood and how, how infectious it was, but he's saying people are dying, you got to come and fast and pray. So now here is we, where he answer, tries to answer Ron's question. He says, Ezu Dever. Look at the Shulchan Aruch Ron. I'm addressing your point. Second paragraph on the page. Ezu Dever. What is considered a plague? So he says, Ir Sheyesh Basu. He's defining it. Again, you need a halachic definition of infectious disease. So he says, Ir Sheyesh Ba Tuf Kaf Ragli. So I'm not sure. Um, what? 500? Tuf Kaf. Tuf is how much? 400. And 100? Yeah. So far, I guess, uh, but it might be 5,000. I'm not sure. Good question. If three people die, obviously of the same disease, doesn't mean you have cardiac arrest, one guy was hit by a truck. It means, uh, it means three people died of the same disease one day after another. That is halachically defined as a plague. Okay, obviously, if you live today in a city with millions of people, where they didn't have then, so you have to figure out the ratios, but I'm saying is how that works, because I'm sure you have uh, in every day in these cities three people... people di- die every three days. No. Shlosh Mason within three days. Three people died of this disease within three days. Three individuals. Okay, so one a day. Well, the, or it could be one right, three, right, right, one, right, right, three in one day, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the minimum of one a day. Once that means, dies, let's say it's, uh, you know, one a week, of this disease, that's not that hasn't hit the 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 level of plague, threshold of plague. Shlosh meisim shlosh yom zechaz zeh raise a dever yotzu bi omechad o bedalad yamin. If oh no, he said the contrary. If three people died in one day, he says that might just be a fluke. That doesn't count. O bedalad yamin, or if three people died in four days, ain't a dever. That's not classified as an infectious disease. Yeah, listen, if you have three. Dying today and three the next day and three the next day. Obviously, but I'm saying just because three died all of a sudden, it could be they were a, they were a cluster that they lived they were in the same, sleeping in the same uh, you know bed or whatever the case is. You know, that's not a proof that there's that there's a plague that there's a that there's a pandemic going on. The lo- on the what? They feasted on the same bed. Right, exactly. Like you know, they might have ate the same bad food from China. So so that's not a proof. Okay, so um, he says, "Ain't that ever? How you bought Elif? If there were a thousand people, the Yatsa men of Shisha Mason begimul yalim. He had a thousand people, and six died in three days. Zeh hazeh. 
and raise a dever. That, of course, is considered, he says, so he's showing you ratio-wise, you know, it depends on the numbers. Yatsubi Omechad, oh, Barba Yamin, but if, again, if those six people died in one day, or in four days, ain't a dever. So you have to do the math, I guess, with the population versus the ratio. So where they got these numbers, I have no idea. I don't know if they make sense medically and to do with today's medical knowledge. But this is, he's defining, he's trying to define, to a certain sense, what's considered a dever. So, so six people die in one day, you have to wait around another day to see whether more people Oh, you have to check die. it out. What I'm saying is that it doesn't mean I have to leave the city now. Yeah. That's the point. It could be a fluke. Right. So the question is, when do I have to leave the city? When do I, when do we declare it a pandemic? Which I think is debatable even in today's day and age. It seems to be unclear when, the who, there's people upset at the World Health Organization, they didn't clear it, they did the one day earlier. Well, that's, that's in three days. That's the one in three days, and the other one is still the same, I guess. Right? Six divided by a thousand. Yeah, it's going to be the same. What is it? So, yeah, it's 0.6%, which is very low. But that's in three days. That's not that's the in three days. That's, that's the, correct. That's right. the prevalence. Right. I don't know if this fits with the... Again, I don't know, I don't know where they got it from. I have to do the research. Where the Shachonach came up with this. With this. But, um... um so the next halach, the Magen Avram says, Magen Avram Archaim, the Magen Avram, who's a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, happens to be my great, great, great grandfather. Um, so he says, Alachaloyim, when you have these diseases, says the Magen Avram, who agdin kishabuas parchim, when you have, um, you know, lesions on your skin, some type of smallpox, betinoikus. Assuming he's referring to smallpox, which was common in those days, umesim, and the kids are dying from smallpox, yesh ligzotinus. He says that we should also be gozer atainus. He says that there was a slicha written for it, actually, and, it, and it's in the slichot that we say all year for different fasts. There actually is. It's still in the arts consider. I don't think anyone says it, but when there's... It wasn't uncommon to have uh, hundreds of kids dying or whatever it was. So they actually would put in a slicha for, specifically for that illness um, for these kids dying. Um, and it's, it's in the article sitter, you can see it. You trust the rest of the article. Um, so he says, um, so he's, he's mentioning that. Ubishla was one of the, um, the Kubalim, Kasav, the Kolechad, Yavriach, Banov, Minir, Beis, Hazos. Listen to this language. He says, the Shla writes, he says, at that time when the smallpox is going around, whatever the case is, you gotta take all your kids, leave the city immediately. Vimlo Asu, look at the underline here. He says like this Vimlo Asu, if you didn't leave, the law says you didn't leave the city. You are liable for their for their lives. That means if you didn't leave the city, you didn't listen to this instruction and leave when there's a pandemic and go somewhere else, and your anyone any of your children, God forbid, who who uh, die and that if that person's children get killed in that pandemic, you're liable for their lives. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Russ is right. I mean, this statistic is very misleading because you have the, 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 the three out of the five yeah. or the six out of the thousand because every day if you have another six people that die and you st there's just a delay in the death of maybe part of no, that thousand. No, I'm saying the next, if you have six, three days in a row, then of course... I understand, yeah. but in other words, I, I'm not sure we're talking about the same thing. They're talking about something that a lot of people die. We're talking about something that 
how many people, people die, but the percentages, I believe, but I don't know, much lower than I believe what they were dealing with then. Well, well, I'm, well I'm saying what I think is historically, I mean, you know, I mean, if we more. were concerned about the flu, they say between five, I was just looking at stats, between five and 20% of the entire U.S. population gets the flu every year. Right, five so and twenty—that's a huge percentage. Yeah, but one second, I want to say that. So we should all leave the then, United States. Then like, there was no such thing as getting healed. You, you got whatever you got. You died. Yeah, it's not like today. Today we can treat the person gets treated as antibiotics, not for the flu. But there's, there are there's certain types of care that can help a person. <coughs> you know, back to health. I don't believe. Right, I'm saying, but ago. I don't. I don't think in those days they had they had that ability. So if you got it, you're done. That's the assumption. I'm not sure there's a, a big difference. People die of the flu tens of thousands By the way, every year. I, I've just calculated from a com from Siri. It looks like about one and a half percent of people from flu die, uh, die from the flu. Okay, and so it's not know. that and, different and from the, the elderly two. or the young. And it's eighty percent of of the over sixty-five. Sure. To me, it's suddenly I realized that this coronavirus it's is just like the flu, but yeah. the big problem is. Two things: we don't have Tamiflu, and we don't have a, a vaccination. Yes. <coughs> Give them two years. But it's the same. Uh, so we, also, we also don't know what the long-term effects of. Yeah, that's a different change. issue. Yes, I don't know. We, we don't know where people are going to end up with chronic lung disease or right. I'll turn into zombies after. Three True. Months. For sure, to be zombies. For sure. Yeah, but I mean, it seems yeah. to be very similar to flu. Yeah. But oh, without yeah. the immunization and without uh, depends which type of flu. Also B. true. Yeah. Um, look at the Spanish flu with the uh, the the incidence of Parkinson's disease and people who survive yeah. the Spanish flu. Uh, it's about two, two to three times higher than the normal oh. population. Mm -hmm. But that's why I live in Spain. They must have had uh, meningitis. Wasn't only in Spain. There was all kinds of things. Yeah. Actually, it's an American flu because of the Spanish flu. Sort of off the army trip. But overall, it looks to me like, like uh, this corona is very much like flu. Okay, so. Which is, which is not a great thing. So I'm, I'm going to do more research on these numbers in the Shukhanarch and find out where it's taken. In other words, they don't uh, help you understand anything. No, we're not trying to help you understand. He's giving you the numbers. You might not agree with the no, no, low but threshold. The numbers I'm saying are not kind of a valid measuring stick. That's what I'm saying. They they're, they don't really tell you a percentage, or they don't tell Again, you... Again, because I'm telling you, there's no such thing as surviving an illness. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saying, I think we're talking about different things. Yes, no, okay. I'm saying when it's a medical student, I'm maybe you with coronavirus. But I don't right, my point is that if the majority of people live, if only one to two percent of people die, isn't it like a saving a life issue of staying and trying to save people's lives? Yeah, but again, how much risk can you do to get to That's a different question. But I think also today, that we understand more about infectious disease and how it's because one of the key things they're figuring out they still haven't figured out completely is how long it lasts meaning we know much we have much more knowledge today to help people survive the pandemic meaning even without the without a without the, without treatment i'm saying stay at home don't leave you know quarantine. they had quarantine then as we'll see of course but you know, we're, we're able to advise people how long it stays on the surface how long a person is infectious things like that which they had no clue about so right. I'm just saying, that's why I'm saying right. that so these I don't know, right. so are not is valid this a today. Right. Oh, probably. I, I probably mean, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's in the Shulchan That's great. But no, but yeah. I'm saying is, again, can we apply the numbers no. with 
Help you. The, uh, no, I don't know. No. Good question. I don't know. I don't know. If we can't apply these numbers okay. because they don't help you. Okay. Uh, we have it's to say, I don't like know, I don't have to understand what the numbers are. Okay, that's great. Okay. What does that mean? So now, now talking about um, the concept of treating people, sh many, many. So he says like this, he quotes, but it's fascinating. So I'm turning back to the page, going back to the yeah. front of the page, where it says, Bikur Chum during a plague. So again, this is a question that's not about medical professionals. In a certain sense, it's about similar, which is rabbis or other people volunteering. Bikur Chum, this is your thing. Visiting people in the hospital, that have infectious disease. Um, should you do that? Should you not do that? So the... Wear a mask for the run isolation again. I understand, but does that help? You know, if you touch the surface and whatever. And, uh, and I'm saying, you don't, if you don't slather yourself in Purell today in the hospital, if you don't, like you have to put it from head to toe. There's more Purell being, being used in every hospital than I think water. Soap and water is more effective. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, so the so it says here, interesting. This is written again, 16th century Salonika, from the Maharshdam writes. He says like this. He says, "Rotsa avon v'nogef b'magefar Moshe Nisker umeis." So it's civil base. So this guy uh, Moshe, whoever is this rabbi, died, and he didn't uh, have a chance. Even it was a sudden. Uh, illness, he got he got this infectious disease, and he didn't have a chance to command his house and to write his will. He just died instantly. Within three or four days, he contracted the disease, and uh, he died within three days. And it's a type of illness that you don't, he just, in passing, is mentioning, and this is a halachic response, that you, it's the type of illness where you don't We're not supposed to go visit those people because it's too dangerous. So if someone has um, coronavirus, don't go visit them, even though it's a mitzvah, be kacholim. Say, listen, I still have to do my duty as a rabbi. I have to go visit the hospital. Says, no, you hear this? Do not go visit people with infectious disease. That's what he seems to be saying. And he, quite interesting, on the bottom, on the right side, that Hebrew paragraph is from a um, Berlin, 1750. In, in those days, the, we'll get to doctors. In those days, um, the Hever Kadisha was also the Biker Cholm, was the same people. It's a little scary. But uh, the Hever Kadisha would do both jobs. Okay, they would do the Biker Cholm and the Hever Kadisha. Like Alan, you do both. You do Hever Kadisha and Biker Cholm. I don't do Hever no, Okay. Okay, so he writes in the, in the God, this is a. This was a guide to the Hevra, um, a written guide with all the rules of the Hevra. So it says explicitly in this guide, again, this is from Berlin, 1750. It was written by Aaron uh, um, Moshe Rofe. Okay, it was written by a doctor, actually, the guide. And he writes, uh, I'm cut off here, but I'll try to read as best, best of my ability. Kamki Balan Lane Lavaka Kol Chola. He says, are, when you join the Hevra Kadisha, the rules, what's that? South African society? HOD. HOD. So this is like the rules of HOD. He says, we accept upon ourselves to visit all ill people. Chutz! Except, the big exception is if he has, God forbid, some type of illness. Sheino, um, can't read the next word. Shriach. That's not a regular type of illness. It's not the norm. Kimenu Rachmanu Litzlan. Kigon Choli. Shilshul Vedever, like uh, Shilshul, I believe in modern Hebrew, Shilshul means diarrhea. So where you have some type of virus where you, you know, very easily, right, you're ca catching, what is a low-hole virus, something very common. Norovirus. Norovirus, right, something like that, where it's very, very infectious. Is it true, very infectious? Yeah. 
I just went to visit someone in the hospital and there's like a big sign on the door, you gotta suit up and you gotta wear gloves and you shouldn't talk to them, just were stare they, at them. Were they on a cruise? You shouldn't no. have visited them according to this. Yeah, well I just learned this this morning, I'm learning it with well, you. Well you can if you take the precautions today. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, today so that's the question. Because but, you're, you're but can you, should you, even then, you're taking a chance. You know, give your phone, you touch He says, um, any type of disease, of infectious disease. The Torah says, You shall live by the mitzvah. So even though there's a mitzvah, maybe even a biblical mitzvah, to visit the sick, but not where it, you're risking your life. We don't do any mitzvah that can, can cause a risk, a potential risk to your life. And so he says, he's quoting the verse in the Torah, it says, You shall live by them. The Torah says, You shall live by the mitzvot and not die by them. Therefore, any mitzvah which could potentially endanger your life, don't do it. Um, he says, For sure, if it's between um, the children, Cholab, Babuas, the Shekoran, and missing the words cut off, well, Anpalin, which I think he's referring to either smallpox or, or some type of other disease. Which is um, we are exempt, meaning the Hevra, the Bikur Cholom Hevra and the Hevra are exempt from visiting them. I don't know exactly what those words mean, but basically saying there's no in the rules of the Hevra Kedisha, these are not people to be visited. I'm assuming the rabbi signed off on that, even though a doctor is writing it, and we don't trust doctors. Interesting. So yeah. I can't. I can't visit him until he dies, then I have to go visit him. No, oh, so that's the next question. Now we have a different question, which is what do you do with the bodies of someone who is plagued by infectious disease? Because, and this is a very big question, which we'll discuss next week. So that, that's which, a, a question for the Hebrew Kedisha. Yeah, so I'm saying it's, it's a lot of question. Body. It's the same question, meaning because if the body, the question is you do a tower on the body where you're going to be touching yeah. bodily fluids, you're going to be going to do, I mean, doing a tower is, is a very get down and dirty thing, you, you know, you get the body you of fluids. You the body, you gotta wash it. Yeah, I'm saying you gotta, st uh, you know, it's, it's not, so, again, if there's a question now, there's a bigger question, which is, many cases they incinerate the bodies. So are you allowed to incinerate a body that had an infectious disease? Because they, that's a way of prevention um, when you're dealing with a mass pandemic. Yes. And so you take the bodies and you have to incinerate them. So are you allowed to, uh, halakhically, can we do that? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Come next week. Find out. <laughs> and uh, I actually had an interesting question this week, which I gave a share on separate share, uh, just on that question, which is, um, I, I noticed online, two there's, as you know, there were 12 Israelis on the Japanese you know, you cruise. Were, once I let me say, Japanese cruise, and they came back to Israel. And uh, how many people did they infect? So two of them. Two of them. They were all quarantined. Two of them were infected. Two of them were affected from Who's that ship. No, in Israel, two Israelis. And they, one of them, it seems, asked for tefillin. One of them asked for tefillin. The question is, that tefillin is going to be incinerated after they finish using it. They burn it, they burn their clothes, they, they throw everything, they incinerate everything. So are you allowed to give him tefillin, which you know is going to end up getting burnt? Because you know how to erase Hashem's name. It's a, a biblical prohibition, last week's parish, I believe. Can't erase God's name. That's written out. So here, you're going to give him tefillin, knowing that they're going to incinerate it. Is that permitted? I think it's uh, is it so better you shouldn't wear it fill in or not? So that's a question that was addressed by Moshe Feinstein in 1943.